Today on our Saints Alive podcast, I am joined by Martha Linder, and she is a longtime member of All Saints Episcopal Church. Martha, how long have you been at All Saints? Since January of 1971. And what brought you to All Saints? When I married Scott Linder, who was very involved with the church, he'd been a member of church for this church for years and loved it. Yes. And so you all raised a family here in town? Yes. And, okay. And and I know that he died prematurely. He died in November the 11th, 1990. And what was the cause of death? Cancer. Okay. So I'm so sorry about that. Well, and I am too every day. Yes. <laughs> he was such a wonderful man. He really was. And he loved this church and and really was devoted to it and to the Lord. But, I mean, he really, really loved All Saints Church. He was a, he was a, when I, f I first heard about Scott, it was in a magazine. He was a board member of General Telephone, and they had an in-house publication. <clears throat> they featured board members from time to time. And, um, and someone gave me this magazine, said, you really need to meet this man. And um, not only was he really good looking, but it said that he was a member of All Saints Church. He was a licensed lay reader and that uh, he credited the Lord with his success in business. And uh, that really got my attention because most people that have done well tend to think that it was all through their own <laughs> efforts. But but he loved it. And, and on the way to work every day, he said morning prayer to himself, you know, just on the way to work. He was, as I said, very... Um, he was a, a good churchman and loved the Lord, so that really, that really appealed to me. Yes. And so your faith, where were you before you met Scott? How had you come to faith? Well, I was, I was in church before I was born, mm -hmm. attended church all the time, and, um, and I thought I was a Christian until I was 28 years old, and someone gave me a copy of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis to read, and as I read the book, somehow what he was describing as Christian, I didn't think described me. Mm. And one thing that was so um, earth-shaking to me was that I just had a baby, and I, and I loved her so much. And of course I wanted a relationship with her. And what was, this was an epiphany while reading C.S. Lewis, that although I really, really believed in God completely and in Jesus and the, you know, and then just, you know, the atonement and whatever, I didn't love him. And I think all my life I thought God wants me to be obedient and to do what's right. And I realized that having this baby she grew up and believed I was her mother, but that I that she didn't love me. It wasn't enough, and I kind of panicked because I thought, do people go to church all the time and don't love him? Are they like me? And it was really, in a way, I felt sort of sorry for God. I said, "Poor God, you do all this for us. You've done so much for us, and nobody loves you." And I, and and I just said, "Well, Lord." If you'll show me how, will and it was a long process. I would love because that was going to be my question. So, what was that like? And so, you said a long process. <clears throat> well, it was, and and God is faithful. I was living in in England at the time, and um, I just I, and I, I just started going to. We just moved to we just moved into London from the country. I lived in England for four years, and I just started going to the church down the street. I don't even know it was a good church or not, but <clears throat> I. Um, 
was invited to, there was a, another woman my age, and she had a little child my daughter's age, and so she, um, she, she invited <clears throat> me to a cocktail party one night. And so one of the guests came up to me, just very attractive English woman, well-spoken, and she said, Martha, how do you know our hostess? And I said, well, we go to the same church. And she said, Martha, are you a Christian? which is very rare in England. <laughs> and I said, well, if you had asked me six months ago, I would have said unequivocally yes. But I said, I, right now I don't know. I believe, but I don't, I really don't know. And she said, would you like to come to Bible study at my house? And I said, well, absolutely. And so that was the, the, the beginning of it because at her house I met other women, English women, I was the only American that I knew really, really love Jesus. Of course, that's the answer. Yes. But anyway, that that was the start. And then, of course, marrying Scott, and he was such a um, strong believer and a strong churchman. And I, I, loved all, I loved all saints. I went to St. John's in Tampa growing up. Church, churches looked a lot alike. And anyway, so I have been involved in all saints for a long time. So, so that is so beautiful, Martha, what you just shared. And then the connection that you had in faith formation and being invited in for Bible study mm -hmm. in someone's home. Mm -hmm. And so then connect that to what you do today. Well, when I moved back to uh, Tampa in 1969, um, <clears throat> I asked a friend of mine, I said, what, what, um, what Bible study are you going to right now, um, Camille? And she said, well, I'm not. She said, Adela, that was the woman that taught she said she has stopped teaching she's 76 and I said oh well I can understand that of course I'm much older than that now but uh, I said well let's just start let's just you and I start and so we would meet on Wednesdays you know and we just opened the Bible to Genesis and started <clears throat> started a Bible study it got bigger and bigger and then the um and so one of the people we in that wanted to join us, her husband moved to Lakeland. I mean, the family was going to move. And so, um, and then it was her husband that introduced Scott and me. So then I moved to Lakeland. So then I said, well, Peggy, you and I, it's Wednesday. We just better start revving up the Bible study. And so from, so I have taught the Bible study at my house since 1971 on Wednesday mornings. Just, I would, I would never dream that it would have lasted this long. And in yes. fact, I think if the Lord has said, Martha, you're going to start a Bible study and you're going to teach for over 50 years, I'd say, I just can't do that. I just, and I, I, that's too you know, overwhelming. But somehow he's just worked that out. So uh, we've even got a couple of people that were in it from the beginning. And that's still beautiful. there. And I don't do PowerPoint. I don't know how to do all that stuff. It's just... Me and the Word. But yes. anyway, it's just a really nice group. That's wonderful, Martha. So. And um, just some of your testimony is reminding me of people in my family. My uh, maternal grandmother, uh, she was a school teacher. Um, her husband passed away early. It was cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, she never remarried, but just found ways to just invest in her community. Mm -hmm. And so that is well, profound we, that you've done that. You know, there's so many things wrong in, in America right now. It's just heartbreaking. And I can't go up to Washington and change things, but I tell the people in the Bible study, we all have a sphere of influence. Yes, ma'am. You know, with our families, with our 
our friends, without our neighbors. And we've got to do as much as we can to shed light of the gospel with other people. We, mm-hmm. we just, and, and, it, and it's amazing how um, you, you just, I just wonder sometimes if, if, if I don't, you know, if I, was, if I try to do something and it works, I thought, why haven't other people done that? You know, <laughs> I just don't understand it. But anyway, that's just what I'm, I just feel like. I am a teacher. Um, I taught school in Switzerland for four years. And um, I'm, it's, it's just the gift God gave me. I wish he'd given me a beautiful voice. I wish I could be like, you know, someone that sings and blesses people, but that's not what I have. I, just, I have this teaching gift, so. And that's a beautiful anyway, gift. Yeah, and I don't think you can train people to teach. I just think either you have it or you don't, mm. so. So what other ways then have you done that? I know a few years back on the All Saints web page, we would have description of our teachers, and so mm-hmm. there'd be um, a description of things that you've done, and it mentioned Parish yeah. Academy. So what sorts of things have you taught well, at the church? Well, I have been on the Salvation Army boards, since the early 70s. In fact, M. Barden and I were the first women they asked to be on the board, and she and I are still on the board. We just know that what a wonderful, wonderful Christian organization that is. So I've done that, and I've been on the Young Life Board, and I've been on the um, Needlework Guild Board, which sounds like it's sewing, and that's what it started off to be in England, making clothes for the Welsh miners' children. But it's changed over the years, and it's a group of women, volunteer women, who raise money to buy new uniforms and underclothes for Lakeland school children. And mm-hmm. I've, I've I've done that for some seventy years, and then I also and then um, and then Scott and I and um, a few others like Beth Beth and Dick Mason um, started the Habitat for Humanity um, chapter here. We work for, worked on that for many years, and um, and all motivated by your love for God. Oh yeah, absolutely, loving loving the Lord and wanting to, you know, you know, a, a good organization. It's a big help for a good to have a good organization that does that, and that's their motivation and their goal. And then you can help assist to see how that works. So I've done that. Mm-hmm. But I've been on different boards. I've been on, you know, I've been president of Lakeland Symphony couple of times and I've served on um, I served on the advisory council for the College of Arts and Film at um, Southeastern and I've been on the advisory board for music at um, Florida Southern and I don't know over the years I've just done this and that Mm -hmm. anyway and you were talking about sphere of influence earlier Mm -hmm. and so those are some ways that you've done that locally yeah but I and I teach at all Saints Sunday school sometimes yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, are there other ways that you've taught at All Saints, other classes that you've done? Well, years ago, um, uh, Scott and I started, we called it the Adult Forum, and it was and it was after the, I can't remember what time it was, before or after the, te- the 11 o'clock service. Uh, everybody met in the same room, and we had um, Sunday school all together, and Scott mm-hmm. was kind of the moderator MC and he'd get everybody all jollied up and made sure they had coffee and sweet rolls and things and then I, I then I taught okay and uh, did that for years and did you primarily teach a scripture or did you oh, have absolutely. other books I sort of did a walk through the Bible I started mm-hmm. in Genesis and just kind of went through some people have been here a long time can remember that okay 
Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, you've had a sphere of influence beyond just Lakeland. What are some other ways that you've connected with people around the globe? Well, um, it, there, <clears throat> there's something that the, the C.S. Lewis Foundation in Redlands, California, has a um, summer institute in Oxford and England every three years. And I have been going to that ever since 1994. And through that, I have met some wonderful people um, all over the country. And and I have been instrumental in, I don't know, what getting involved in whatever they've been involved in. So yes, I've, yeah. I've enjoyed doing that. And so. what has really touched your heart about being involved with C.S. Lewis and reading his books? Well, Lewis... I mean, I mean, I just stay in wonder at his writings because he was extremely logical, and then he had this amazing imagination. And so, his imagination is full of logic; it undergirds the imagination, and yet his logic is shot through with imaginative illustrations and things. And and he has the ability for me not only to appreciate what he says, but it's, it, it pushes me forward to think of other things and whatnot. And I just, I, I just have, have pushed Lewis whenever I can. I try mm-hmm. to get parents to read the Narnia, Narnia Chronicles to their children. And, um, and I've taught Lewis. I, I've taught a, a course here on Lewis one time years ago. And um, on Wednesday nights, and I just I push him all the time. I can get <laughs> and I it. know there's been a movie out recently that you would love for people to see. There's a movie that's called The Most Reluctant Convert. It was shown across the country for a few nights a number of months ago, but now it's available on DVD and also streaming from Amazon, I think, and some other things. And it's a wonderful movie. It's about Lewis's conversion, which was very interesting, and it was done by Max McLean, who had originated a one-man show that has now been turned into a film. And I certainly think I think we're planning to have a film night maybe in August in um, at All Saints one Wednesday night. We can have the show and have everybody come and have, have conversation, popcorn machine, yes. and. <laughs> soft drinks and things and enjoy the film but it's a, it's a beautifully done film of course I love it because it shows all these films these scenes in Oxford that I that I know so well and mm-hmm. even has some people in it that I that I know so that, so that's fun that is beautiful yeah. um so if we show that and I know we will uh, we'll just have to find the date mm-hmm. and then um maybe that you could give us some words of wisdom before and after. That would be wonderful. I'd be wonderful. glad to do it. I, okay. As I said, I'm just a huge... Oh, there is an interesting story. Okay. Um, I don't know how much time we have. Keep going. Okay. Well, um, in 1976, I was, I was in London and, um, with my daughter, and, a, and, and we wanted to show her London, but then a friend of, of ours that we were staying with, she said, well, would, let's take her out in the country, see the countryside, which is so different from London. <clears throat> so we were going to Stratford, of course, doesn't every tourist. But on the way there, one goes through Oxford. And so, a f- and so 
Miranda said, is there anything particular you want to see in Oxford? And I said, well, Miranda, any time I've come to Oxford, I've wanted to see C.S. Lewis's house. Nobody seems to know where it is. And so she said, oh, well, I think, I think, I think there's a friend of ours, Doug Holliday. He's an American. He has an office on the high street. I think he'll know. So anyway, we went there, and um, Miranda said what we wanted. And she, he said, no, I don't know. I don't know where it is, but um, there's a young doctoral student here, and I'll call him and see if he, he, I'm sure he knows. So he made the phone call and said, yes, he said he'd come by. So in about 10 minutes, this tall, skinny Englishman walked in, and uh, Doug said, Martha, this is Oz Guinness. Oz, this is Martha Linden, Miranda Cordell, and their daughter, Andrea. And, I mean, I'd never... I'd never heard of Oz Guinness. Nobody had, unless they happened to be his friends. And so, um, so we, um, and I don't know whether the viewers know that Oz Guinness has become an amazing Christian author and speaker and whatnot. But anyway, he was just this nice young man. So we went downstairs and he put under me, he put her on my lap. I think she was 12. And um, he had a little sports car, and we went out to the, a little village outside of Oxford called Headington, and that's where Lewis lived. He didn't live in Oxford. And so we drove out there into this little brick cottage, and he said, I think that we better um, tell these people who live here while we're standing in their garden. They don't say yard in England. It's your garden. And so so he knocked on the door, and the man was there, and he came, and and um, so he explained what we wanted to do, and I was hoping he'd invite us in. He didn't, but he walked us all around the house, and I was very glad to see it. And so as we were getting in the car to go, I turned to the man and I said, is there, did you buy this house directly from Lewis's brother, who had outlived him, or were there intervening owners? And I don't remember what he said. Because the next thing he said is, my wife and I are getting ready to sell it. And so we got in the car and I said, well, Oz, we need to tell somebody. And he said, well, why? I said, well, they could tear it down and build a block of flats, which they subsequently have across the street. And so he said, well, who would we tell? And the only thing I could think of was Wheaton College, because they've got the Marion Wade Center there that has the Lewis wardrobe and all, you know, other things. And so I said, would you let them know? Well, remember, this is the day, this was before we had email. And so he either would have had to write them or call them. And he was a student, a busy student working on his thesis. And so that was the end of it. And so several years later, um, Scott and I were going to a Campus Crusade meeting in Orlando and it was a weekend, and I was looking at the speakers, and I said, this is Oz Guinness. Surely there couldn't be two people named Oz Guinness. And sure enough, it was Oz, and we spoke, and I didn't say, did you contact Wheaton? Because I'm afraid he would say no. <clears throat> then I saw him a couple of years later in Tampa at a, at a meeting, and we greeted each other, you know, whatever. I never said anything. I didn't ask him. I think I saw him at the University of Florida before. At, at, a, at a talk that he gave and all the time his star is rising <clears throat> so anyway in 1994 I went to the first C.S. Lewis my first C.S. Lewis Institute in Oxford 
And um, one of the things we were going to do was to visit C.S. Lewis's house. And that's the first time I heard anybody mention it since 1976. And so... I said to Stan Matson, who is the president, founder and president, I said, how, how come we can go there? And he said, well, because we own it. And I said, how did you get it? And he said, well, it was the oddest thing. He said, <laughs> he said a couple of years ago, I was at a Christian, I was at a gathering. Of, I don't know what kind it was, but he, he had the C.S. Lewis badge on with his name. He said a man came up to him and said, I think you need to own C.S. Lewis's house. And Stan said, what? And he said, how could that be? And he said, well, some years ago, he said, Wheaton College was informed that C.S. Lewis's house was for sale. And would we like to buy it? Would they like to buy it? And they said they wrestled around with it for a while, and they didn't have, they'd like to, but they didn't have a purpose or the funds. So they said, no. This young man, this man said, but my aunt, and I don't know whether he said she worked at the Wade Center or was in charge of it, anything, she saw the importance of it. And the upshot was that I don't know whether it was 11 or 17 people bought it. Wow. So you can imagine what that was like. And mm -hmm. so they rented it out for some years to students, and then they wouldn't take care of it, and then it would need a new roof, you know, all that sort of thing. And this young man said to Stan, at this point, some people can't keep up their part of the mortgage, and we don't have, no, 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 you should have it. And then there's another story of how the C.S. Lewis Foundation was able to get the funds and blah, blah, blah. And so, so I said to Stan Madison, I said, so he said, that's how we got it. And I said, well, do you want to know how Wheaton College <laughs> <laughs> heard about it? So it's just an interesting thing to me how um, – God is working his purposes out as yes, the waters cover the sea. Because if I hadn't been there, and then Miranda hadn't known Oz, Doug Holliday, and Doug hadn't known Oz, and Oz hadn't been home, or he was busy, or then the man was not there, or if I hadn't asked him. You know, you just see it's, it's, it was a chain of events. And now the house is beautifully restored to its 1940s look because the other people had done a lot of things, changes to it. And so it's now permanently preserved, and it's a working. Uh, people can go there and study and whatnot, and people love to visit and everything. So anyway, that was just a fun story. I didn't mean to get off on that. But that was beautiful, <laughs> because I love how you just talked about, the um, <clears throat> first for you and Scott, to just be always looking for ways that God yeah. is at work yeah. and that you were moving yeah. and then you connect with mm -hmm. people and God just brings yeah. all those different parts yeah. together. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Well, I'm glad to do it. <laughs> Hope it inspires somebody to yes, get off the sofa and do some things <laughs> I think the last uh, question I want to ask you is um, because I know since I've been here at All Saints and of course my first connection was music but then quickly family ministries mm -hmm. and um, so it's as you see different graduates come through that you're always very interested in what how they're going to be shaped and framed by you know what God's gospel is to us rather than right. what the world would say when they go to colleges now which are just indoctrination centers mm -hmm. <laughs> so. so if you wanted to uh, recommend some person I know we've just been talking about Lewis and you've mentioned Oz Guinness um, but for someone who who's still kind of maybe at the point where you were when you realized I need to love 
God, Mm -hmm. but I'm still Mm -hmm. trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. You know, what would you recommend for someone, whether it's a book or a person to pay attention to? Maybe it's back to scripture that you want to encourage somebody to read. You know, every God reaches people in so many different ways, but I just, I just would hope that this church would train young people, and I think this is true for most churches, would train young people to have a, 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 a practice in their life of time for prayer, time for Scripture. And, um, and it's really hard when they go off to college. And, and I, I heard someone say recently at a conference that if a church will provide a mentor, even though a family's good, even though the children come from a good family, but if they start when they're teens to provide a mentor of the same sex, um, to be interested in that person and to encourage this person in in his or her faith and stick with that person and then keep and, and provide every opportunity they can to give give them a book or take them to a, a, a show that's worthwhile and then continue to contact that person by, e- with, by email. If they will stick with that person through college, I think that they said they found this is the best way to st- keep someone from just wandering off into, mm-hmm. n- you know, never, never land with the way the colleges are these days. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, someone told me today that um, <laughs> that she had just heard that, I won't say what the university is, it's in North Carolina, that their religion teacher's an atheist. Mm. So this is what our, our young people are up against when mm-hmm. they go to college. Mm-hmm. So. so that intergenerational connection mm-hmm. um, is yeah, the value really of that. That's important. And so I love our church is a family church where we do have mm-hmm. intergenerational connection yeah. and love for one another yeah. and being intentional about that. And being very intentional. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Martha, so much for your time and well, for... What you shared, and I know we prayed to God beforehand that He would lead and guide and direct us, and I, I, I have been blessed by our conversation. Well, good. Thank you. I just hope it will inspire some people to keep on keeping on. Thank Amen. you. Thank you.